Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So I was on the five. I've been on all week. I'll be on today on Fox News Channel, obviously at five o'clock. And uh, again, I got a little back and forth with uh, Jess, uh, the uh, the Democrat on the panel. It was fine, but it was about government. You know, the the, the whole the big idea with government, not the small idea, right? The small ideas we tend to get involved in the wonkery about taxes and school choice, and that's good. But why aren't we asking the big questions now, given this pending $3.5 trillion or $1.5 trillion spending bill, depending on who you listen to, uh, listen to? Why aren't we asking the big questions like, does government suck? If government sucks, how bad? And if government sucks as bad as the record of government indicates the suck level, why don't we talk about how bad government sucks, given we're spending so much money on it? Just a question. So we're going to get to that, and, and we're going to question government competence in a number of different areas. There was some explosive new information about everything the government does, spying, healthcare, economics, science. Don't miss it. Today's show is going to be a lot, and uh, we had to. I got your questions coming up at the end. There's a lot coming up. So, uh, With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks all so that corporate mega stores can make bigger profits don't let durbin marshall steal your data visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill paid for by electronic payments coalition i don't even have the kenny bell so ding 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 that's the dan bongino bell here is video number one from the day i don't like to play videos of myself because it's kind of weird because this is my show and if i said something yesterday i could just say it again on my show today and i kind of just did but if you missed the five yesterday, it's about a minute of like a back and forth I had with uh, the other panelists talking about this Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, three point five trillion dollar bankruptcy bill, which will destroy the United States. And why, if we're going to spend so much money on a product, right, government, it is a service, right? Not a product, but it's, well, they, it's, it's a service. If we're going to send uh, spend this amount of money on a service, why isn't anyone asked the question, like, is the service any good? And can you prove to me like it doesn't suck because you're going to bankrupt us over this service? Here, check this out. You have a $3.5 trillion spending bill, the largest in American history. You think we would ask the basic question, right? Like, well, what are we buying? Well, we're buying government. Well, does government not suck? No, it sucks. Like whatever government does, it wrecks. I mean, seriously, think about it, right? So we spend a fortune on what? Public education. Yet liberals are always complaining. Oh, no, no, we need more. It's so terrible. We need more. You guys are paid. It's your program. Like private schools aren't complaining. And what else is government heavily involved in? What's the other sphere outside of education? Healthcare, where they pay about 40 to 45% of every dollar. What are liberals always complaining about again? Healthcare. But they never have the big argument. They're like, wait, my gosh, let me scratch my head. So I think big government's a good idea. Where big government's the biggest, everything sucks, and we're always complaining, and yet we want bigger government to fix the bigger government that really sucked before. It's like, are you guys ever going to wake up and be like, this is kind of a dumb idea, like government's really terrible, and maybe the private sector can do this better? There's nothing in this bill. This is the largest transfer from I'm not saying this wrong either from poor people and wealthy people to the upper middle class in American history. Read the Wall Street Journal article. You could be a Massachusetts family earning 300K a year and you could entitle yourself to about 20,000 in government benefits. Please explain to me in what universe that's a good thing to your means. testing. Yeah. 
So as I said in that cut, why aren't we asking the big questions? Why is the default assumption by the left and rhino Republicans that government is somehow competent and we should spend trillions of dollars to finance the services government provides? Why is that the default assumption? If you were, again, spending money on it, get government out of the equation because government is obviously politicized. It's government. It's going to be political and politicized. Depoliticize it for a moment. And if you were spending trillions of dollars on accounting services and you were a major multi-trillion dollar business, correct? Wouldn't you ask yourself, well, do the accounting services actually provide good accounting? It's the money ball theory. If they're good hitters, why don't they hit good? If they're good accountants, why don't they do good accounting? So if government's a good thing, then why doesn't government do good things? Why is it, as I said in the cut, that the two spaces government spends the most money, right, or some of the most money, and, and dominates the space, education and healthcare, they're the two areas liberals complain about the most. Why is that? Liberals can't say in an argument that, hey, we should take over education and health care and spend more on it, even though we've spent all this money and all of what we spend has gone to crap services the whole time. Let's go through this one by one. I want to break you, uh, not conservatives, but liberals. I want to assist conservatives in making the argument, but break liberals of the idea here that government is somehow competent. It is not. Let's go to space number one, right? Bureaucratic, the upper levels of law enforcement. These, I'm not talking about a lot of the rank and file guys. I worked with them. I'm talking about the upper levels where law enforcement in the intel community has become clearly politicized in the Trump era. It's obvious here. Sorry from the Epic Times, be in the show notes today. So the most serious power the government has, right, is the ability to take your life, take your freedom and to spy on you. We can all kind of agree, right? Those are very serious things, probably on a hierarchy of things that are serious. That's number one, the ability to spy on you, the ability to take your freedom, even take your life. The government has the power, a monopoly on that, okay? If the government can't get that right, spying, then why would you trust them with anything else? We're asking, again, a simple question. If government is competent, then why is government always incompetent? Here, Epic Times article. This is key by Jack Phillips and Ken Silva. And the inspector general, Horowitz, he finds widespread problems with FBI's FISA applications. FISA. It's a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Just in a nutshell, for those of you who are older listeners to my show, you obviously know all this, but newer listeners who haven't had the time to look into this stuff, we have a FISA court, the FISC, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, where if you go there with an application to spy on someone, me or Guy or whatever it may be, it's non-adversarial, meaning I don't even hear about it. It's done in total. It's a secret. It's legitimately a secret court. Now, if we're going to spy on people in secret, one of the uh, one of the obstacles we built in to make sure the government just doesn't randomly spy on people is a thing called a Woods file. The Woods files where the government puts down on paper in a file called the Woods file, like go out in the woods in the forest, whatever, you know, you get it, right? The Woods file is supposed to document what exactly the government did to fact check every piece of information they used to spy on you. Well, from the Epic Times piece, you can see that that's not happening in many cases. Again, if the government is competent, why is it so incompetent? Here, and I quote, the most recent audit of the agency's Woods procedures rules that the FBI follows to ensure that FISA applications are, quote, scrupulously accurate, found sweeping noncompliance that raises serious questions about the adequacy and execution of the supervisory review process in place at the time the applications were reviewed. Horowitz said, stating that the FBI's quality control officials apparently missed these problems. 
If the government is competent, why is the government always incompetent? Why are we not asking these questions? Why are we financing a service that constantly fails to demonstrate even basic levels of competency? You have a Woods file. Here's why we're spying on people. You can't even maintain the Woods file. Let's go to this next one. This is so now we're talking about the upper levels of law enforcement can't demonstrate competence. I'm sorry. Now, education. Another serious thing. The government's got its tentacles in. Right. Here's uh, the education secretary Cordona up on Capitol Hill yesterday. Again, assuming the competence of bureaucrats over even parents. Why are we assuming competence of bureaucrats? The education system in the United States, the public one is collapsing. Here's Cardona when he's asked uh, by the Indiana Senator. He says, hey, listen, are parents the primary determinants, basically stakeholders in their child's education? Watch Cardona say "Eh, he can't even answer it. No, no, I think maybe schools first. Why? Because they're competent. They're failing. Check this out. Do you think parents should be in charge of their child's education as the primary stakeholder? I believe parents are important stakeholders, but I also believe primary. educators have a role in deser- determining uh, educational programming. And I think that's going to be a little out of focus. What I think you're going to find across all elements of education, since they pay the bills, they raise the kids, they probably need to be the primary uh, spokespeople for their own kids Good education. You believe this? Again, the DH, excuse me, the, the, the Secretary of Education, assuming a level of competence of bureaucrats that supersedes that of even parents who know their kids because they're their kids. Why are you assuming competence? Do you have any evidence to back that up? So if you're assuming competence at the upper levels of the FBI, then why can't you even maintain basic procedures and why are we paying for it? If you're assuming competence in the education system, why is our public education system one of the worst in the world? Why you're also assuming that parents should be subjugated to the same system that sucks and then they should pay for it, too, as Braun just said. Here's Terry McAuliffe. Dreadful candidate running for governor of Virginia. Please get out and vote, folks, in Virginia for Glenn Youngkin and get this guy out of here. McAuliffe. Here's Terry McAuliffe saying in an actual debate that, yeah, parents don't get to determine what the, their kids learn. It's these these uh, these anointed ones in government that are so smart. They know your kids better than you do here. Check this out. Veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it. Also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decisions. You vetoed it. So, yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Why are we assuming competence of these people? Why do you have any data to back it up? You're asking us to spend trillions of dollars on on a service that sucks. Listen, it sucks to Republicans out there. Stop being afraid of stating the obvious. Government sucks. It doesn't do anything right. It sucks. It fails at everything. Why are you funding this behemoth? Military, courts, law enforcement, get it. Other than that, it completely sucks. Here, you need more evidence? The Hill. The economic space. Oh, I'm sorry, healthcare. Let's go to healthcare first. Here's Senator Rand Paul asking HHS Secretary Javier Bacaria. If you know Joe Biden, you get the joke. Same as Becerra. Uh, Biden calls him Bacaria because he doesn't even know his own HHS secretary, Health and Human Services. Here's Dr. Rand Paul asking Bacaria, hey, why should we even assume you're competent? Do you have any evidence to back this up? I mean, you already spend 40 cents of every health care dollar, if not more, the government. Do you know anything? Or are we just giving you this money for you to flush down the toilet? 
Government is the biggest forest fire in human history. Here, check this out. Are you familiar with an Israeli study that had uh, 2.5 million patients and found that the vaccinated group was actually seven times more likely to get infected with COVID than the people who had gotten COVID naturally? Senator, I'd have to get back to you on that one. I'm not familiar with that study. Well, you think you might want to be if you're going to travel the country insulting the uh, millions of Americans, including NBA star Jonathan Isaac, who have had COVID recovered. Look at a study with 2.5 million people and say, well, you know what? It looks like my immunity is as good as a vaccine or not. And in a free country, maybe I ought to be able to make that decision. Instead, you've chosen to travel the country calling people like Jonathan Isaac and others, myself included, flat earthers. We find that very insulting, goes against the science. Are you a doctor or a medical doctor? I've worked uh, over 30 yeah. years on health so policy. You're, you're not a medical doctor. Do you have a science degree? And yet you travel the country calling people flat earthers who have had COVID, looked at studies of millions of people, and made their own personal decision that their immunity they naturally acquired is sufficient. But you presume somehow to tell over 100 million Americans who have survived COVID, that we have no right to determine our own medical care. You alone are on high and you've made these decisions, a lawyer with no scientific background, no medical degree. This is an arrogance coupled with an authoritarianism that is unseemly and un-American. Finally, people asking questions. Thank God for Rand Paul and others up on Capitol Hill who have chosen to do the right thing and act like Republicans. If you're competent, then why are you so incompetent? I need you all, please, please. The conservatives and libertarians and good Republicans who listen to the show, and there are a lot of patriots out there, and I love you to death. Please, I need you to ask your liberal friends this basic question before you get lost in any wonkery on any issue. If government is competent and I am told to spend 30 to 40% of my hard-earned money on it, can you demonstrate to me an arena in which government has shown competency? You can't. You can't. I've got a couple more coming up next. Uh, economics, science, uh, other things as well. Where Government cannot show any level of competence whatsoever. Let me get to my uh, second sponsor. I appreciate your patience. They want to be here to talk to you and they keep the show free for you. Good companies. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Okay, here's the last one on government, but I want to get to science in a second, which can be government, but there's obviously a lot of spheres of that outside of the government interest on the economic front. So did you notice, again, this government ever demonstrated when you turn over the reins of individual freedom, the government to dictate to you what to do, you turn over to government fully your life is what I'm getting at a simple way of saying it, right? 
That's what socialism is. Whether you turn it over or they take it, because Americans here, some will vote for socialism because far leftists are generally stupid. But usually it's just taken at the end of a barrel of a gun. When they take your freedom and government runs everything, what evidence is there that central planners and socialists have any level of competence at all? Well, we've just seen a real life experiment with this over the last few decades in Venezuela which was generally a kind of free market country. I mean, there was a lot of crony capitalism, but kind of free markets. We can go into the history of Venezuela another time. But then Hugo Chavez and Maduro and the regime came in and took over and implemented socialism, where government bureaucrats came in and planned the economy and took your ability to plan your own lives away. Everybody get it? Well, what's happening in Venezuela? Update from the Hill in Venezuela. More than 75% of Venezuelans now live in not just poverty, but extreme poverty. Carolyn Vakel, again, to the liberals listening to the show, if government is so wonderful, then why isn't government so wonderful? If government can do things well, why does government never do things well? If socialism works, then why doesn't socialism work? If socialism doesn't cause poverty, then why is everybody poor in socialism? Have you ever asked yourself these questions? Do you have any evidence, any of your assertions about the value of government are accurate? The answer is, of course you don't you just made that up here's another just quick story government gets involved again locks down the economy tries to plan the reopening what happens cbs la still a backlog of cargo ships at the port of la which is now reaching a boiling point get ready for bare shelves folks it's coming soon you want socialism no you got it you left this want socialism wait till you see inflation and bare shelves you got it. Just reminds me quick of when I took an economics course. Uh, it was uh, one of these uh, recorded courses. It wasn't like a formal, but I enjoyed it. It was good. Sorry. They had this story of Brazilian, the Brazil computer industry back decades ago when Brazil thought it would be a good idea to take over and plan the tech sector. They said, we're going to nationalize the computer. We want to be the world leader in computers. So everybody had to use Brazilian computers. And because there was no competition, because the government took over the whole industry and there was no free market competition, the computers sucked and the computers were used everywhere in the supply chain. And because the computers sucked so bad, it blew up the whole Brazilian economy because every single person was relying on the Brazilian computer industry that sucked. The course was amazing. Whatever the government touches it destroys flush your money down the toilet before you give it to them because whatever they touch they burn to the ground unfortunately science has been corrupted too science has been corrupted by wokeism cancel culture science not overall but the woke science has been corrupted entirely too i saw this this came out this morning uh, an article on science.org it's so laughable it's by a guy um h holden thorpe if you look at his picture he looks like an h holden thorpe uh this the tier one level dork wrote this piece called time to unfriend facebook and he's complaining about how Facebook specifically keeps getting the science wrong. But weirdly, he brings this up, H. Holden Thorpe. This guy looks like G. Thurston Howell or something like that. He's probably smoking a cigar with a jacket and a bow. This guy's a bow tie wearer, I can tell. He puts in this piece that the anti-science opposition doesn't care about the caveats. Kang pointed out that super figures on social media, such as Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino, have built up loyal followings of people who will believe them no matter what. We're the anti-science people, and we built up the anti-science opposition. So just to be clear, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this loser, but we debunked the horse pacemaker. Gee, tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, correct me. Joe, you too. I know you can hear Jim. 
We debunked the horse pace myth, okay? Ivermectin, human beings like Joe Rogan did not take horse pace. They took ivermectin, which is an FDA-approved drug for parasites that a doctor prescribed to him. It wasn't horse pace. We debunked that. H. Holden Thorpe, I guess, and his and this guy Kang are unaware of that. We debunked some of the mask data uh, causal inferences that were not causal. They were correlational by citing, shocker, the actual research, which H. Holden, I guess, didn't know about. Uh, we talked about the limits, the effectiveness in some spaces and the non-effectiveness in some of vaccines, what they do and don't do. We were right on that. We debunked the Trump told everyone to drink bleach nonsense, which was crap. And we debunked the school transmission nonsense about index cases. When that was at the Korea study, they had indicated where the index case was from. They were trying to make people believe kids were contracting it in school, this study, when in fact, the, uh, it said clearly, if you read the study, they didn't know who the index cases were. So H. Holden Thorpe, you should try science sometime, given that you write for the magazine Science and stop insulting people who are clearly smarter than you. But thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Okay, Um, I want to just address this quickly. So just a little behind the scenes. I was uh, up in the Fox office this morning and they they gave me kind of a fake office. It's a real office, but it's like, you know, I don't have an actual office up here, but uh, maybe that who knows. But I was sitting in the office and I'm watching. Fox and they have this commercial and it runs kind of inside and it was Tucker it doesn't run over the the cable linear network it was Tucker Carlson and he was talking it was really good and it's a, it's about a minute and a half maybe two minutes and he was talking about how he wound up with the eight o'clock show on Fox and I hope you like this because this really it was a fascinating piece and he was very candid and in the interview he says listen I failed a lot I had a show the ratings were bad um you know I I I got I got let go and that's how I wound up at Fox. And he said, I failed. This is his, I mean, his words, I'm not speaking out of turn. It's a commercially, but it's very, it was a really good one. And he said, I, you know, I failed repeatedly. And he said, I've been given more chances than I probably should have. Well, he's now, you know, the number one cable news host in the planet. And I got to thinking about, you know, my own life. I don't mean that I'm just trying to wax philosophic here or anything, but I just want you, given that all the troubles we're having now with Biden and everyone else, and I know it feels like an electoral failure and gosh, we lost to these people and they're destroying the country. You know, sometimes, especially in my life, I ran for office three times, failed. I mean, the original version of the podcast was good, but we didn't set the world on fire. You know, failure is a gift, folks. I mean, if you were happy all the time, right, we wouldn't know what happiness was. Sometimes you need, it can be a gift failure. You need the sadness because you don't want to do that again and you fail and you learn what went wrong and you build from there. Again, I'm not trying to be like your coach or inspirational speaker, man, but sometimes in life you ask God for an answer and the answer is no. And I wound up here in a job I love with a voice I love and a microphone I love with the ability to change politics in America. Thanks to you and your loyalty to this program and the massive audience we have because of multiple failures, people fail happens all the time. Why do I bring that up? Because something happened to me in the last couple of weeks. I've been dying to get to, but the news cycle has been really, really big. I had a lawsuit against the Daily Beast. Some of you may be reading the coverage. Probably not. It didn't really go mainstream or anything like that, but I've had this lawsuit going on for, I don't know, about a year or something. Well, we lost. We're considering an, an appeal strongly, but first, listen, congrats to the Daily Beast. You just had a, you know, 
better, better legal maneuvering than us on one of these cases. So we lost this case. I wanted to tell you what this was about quickly, because you listen to my show every day. You spend a lot of time with me and you deserve to know what's going on in my life. So I want to congratulate the Daily Yeast on two things. Again, better legal maneuvering on this round. We'll see what happens there going forward. Uh, we have some time here to see if we want to appeal. But uh, number two, for successfully convincing a, a judge that falsely implying I was uh, let go, dropped with the implication I was like terminated from a job uh, for successfully convincing a judge that that's not defamatory. Hey, listen, good legal maneuvering on you. Uh, well, uh, well done. Here's what happened. And here's the story. Some of you all uh, podcast listeners already know the story. So I'm going to just fire through it quickly. So there was a, a two guys, Asawin, I always say his name. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's not intentional, but Asawin S, whatever his last name is. And Lachlan Marquet. I know his name because I, I know Lachlan from back in the day. They wrote an article you can see about me. Gee, do you even know this story? You do? So they wrote an article at the Daily Yeast a while ago called Dan Bongino outed NRATV. It's from 2018. Now, Read what this is a direct quote from the article in the article. You'll see it suggests that somehow I was dropped from NRA TV. I was not. That's fake news. So here is the quote. He subsequently confirmed that we that we stand, which was my NRA TV show, is in fact ending. This is they're talking about me, but suggested that the decision not to renew the show was his, not the network's. A characterization questioned by a source familiar with the organization's decision. A day later, NRA TV released a statement saying that the network made every attempt to retain Bongino in 2019, but did not elaborate on the negotiation. So you picking this up here. So this NRA TV story implies I was dropped or let go from NRA TV as a contributor. Folks, the story is totally fake. And Lachlan and Asawin, S, uh, Lachlan and Asawin, if that's, I'm sorry if that's your name. I don't, I'm terrible with names. I mispronounced my own name. They suggest in the story that they dropped me. You may say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal, folks, is that's kind of rough on your career, right? Oh, my gosh. People, Dan Bongino totally failed. NRA TV, let him go. Terrible. Folks, it's not what happened. And Lachlan suggesting that the source told him that they somehow like let me go or questioned my, really? The source told you that? Because Here's an actual text from the writer of the piece, Lachlan Marquette. This is a screenshot from my phone. Notice the date right before he wrote the piece, December 6th. He texted me, heard you didn't renew with NRA TV. Just circling back on this, probably publishing something today. Why am I telling you this? Because this is how fake news works. This guy, Lachlan and Aswin, never had a shred of evidence that I was dropped or let go from NRA TV. I told him it was fake. His source clearly told him that I didn't renew, not that they dropped me. It's, that's the damn text. The story's totally made up. This is what happens at the yeast. This is why I sued him. Now, the judge had to, is dropped, defamatory. I don't I'm not a lawyer. Whatever. Good for them. Their legal maneuver is better. But the funny thing is they never defended their decision. Never, never defended the, the author's decision to write the story this way, knowing this was fake. His own source told him it was fake, that I didn't renew, not that they dropped me. Here, even worse, in April of this year, this kid at Salon, Zonk Padizzo, he got his mitts on some legal documents. This is in April of this year, showing conclusively for the millionth time that I left not that they dropped me, that the stories and his story is still out there. 
that I got dropped. People to this day still swear on their lives that I was terminated from NRA TV. Here, here's the story from Zonk. As NRA was bleeding money, it offered Dan Bongino $1.5 million for failing TV channel. How did Zonk know that? Good for him. Zonk actually did some homework and found the legal filing where NRA TV said, yeah, we offered Dan $1.5 million to stay and he turned it down. Again, folks, to this day, people swear I was fired from NRA TV. Liberals. They live in the Marvel stupid verse, like I said the other day. And the story's out. It doesn't even matter. But congrats. You guys got to write a fake news story and you win the legal judgment. Nice job. I wonder how they live with themselves, though. Why not just admit you were wrong? They never defended the writer, by the way, in the case. Never. All they, their whole case was like, well... You know what? Maybe the story's not exactly right, but dropped, you know, didn't necessarily defamatory. All right, whatever. So we'll see. I may appeal this thing. I'm still, we got a bunch of stuff going on. So I'm sorry I didn't get to it sooner. All right, let me get to my um, my next sponsor here. All right, here's what I got coming up. The questions for Dan this week, they were spectacular. Guy picked some really, Guy was all nervous about the questions. Oh, nervous. He's going to get nervous. Guy doesn't get nervous. He's like the most... What do they call euthymic? He doesn't get to get up or down ever. But he's like, ah, I'm not sure. They were great. The questions were great this week. So uh, I just want to show you a funny tweet before we move on. I mean, it is Friday. We got kind of a, you know, I don't like to leave you in a bad mood. Here's Kank. You know, the Young Turks, Kank uh, Iger. Uh, Again, I'm terrible with names. Sorry if I'm saying wrong, Kank. But here's Kank. Um, He tweeted out, this guy's a liberal lunatic, a crazy person. Um, He's got a bad temper like me, but unlike me, uh, Kank thinks he's tougher than he really is. Like, be having fought most of my life, and, you know, the, like training in mixed martial arts, like I know my limits. And one of the greatest things you could do is not pretend to be a tough guy when you're not real tough guys don't pretend because they've typically real tough guys have had their asses kicked many times. Um, so they know what it's like. So they don't start fights. They don't have to. But Kank uh, isn't a real tough guy. He's a fake tough guy. He's a real screamer. He's also a little gooey around the waist. But Kank tweeted the most one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen on Twitter. Our whole team has been laughing about this all night. Here's Kank. On Twitter, he's talking about Joe Rogan here. Some guy offered him a thousand dollars, what to like fight Joe Rogan or something. He says, "Deal, easiest thousand I ever made." You think he's going to assault me? Talking about Rogan, he goes, "Sure, whatever. That's incredibly dumb, but it also wouldn't work. I'm much larger than Joe Rogan, and I fought my whole life. <laughs> I'd I'd end him. I this is real. It's not a joke. But grown ups don't do that. I'll send you the PO box to send the check to later, folks." This is the most absurd, ridiculous thing. Kang, who's a big goo box, who probably has the cardio of a uh, of a, of a of a ninety year smoker in his last de- death throes, taking his last breath. Joe Rogan is a uh, Eddie Bravo Ninth Planet Jiu Jitsu black belt, also a Taekwondo black belt, who has stand up to die for, who's been training his whole life, and is also a fitness nut. I I, I mean, I don't want to engage in juvenile crap here, but I'm just telling you as a statistical fact, the chances that Goobox Kank Uger are, are the chances of him winning a fight against Joe Rogan. Gee, what would you gauge them at? Seriously? What would you gauge the chance? Realistically, like not being full, what would you gauge the chances of Kank winning? Man, that would be a real freak accident. You think so? Like what do you, what, uh, here's mine. I'll give you mine. Okay. I was right. I was there too. I'm serious. I think it's about one in a thousand. Because there's always the chance he could bite him or Joe could slip into Kank's fist and knock himself out. I agree with Gee. Jim, can you text me, producer Jim? What do you think? You think one in a thousand? Tell him, 
the chances of the chance text text me jim producer jim one in a thousand i'd say of kank winning a fight against joe rogan this guy is just a goofball <laughs> jim says at least one in a thousand thanks jim see the texting thing works all right uh moving on i gotta let to get through still the questions uh, i just want to show you a quick media story showing you how differently they treat centrist democrats versus fake rhino Republicans. Here's a Washington Examiner story about Kirsten Cinema. Let me just put this out in advance. I don't vote for Democrats ever, okay? It's not happening. It's never going to happen. I'd write someone in. I don't vote for Democrats like Fetch. It's not going to happen. But having said that, if we're stuck with a Democrat, like we are in Arizona with Kirsten Cinema, I'd rather have the Democrat be a sane person like she appears to be. So she has been telling the Democrats, I'm not voting for your crazy spending stuff. And the Democrats now hate her. And look at her poll numbers. Washington Examiner story. Kirsten Cinema soars in Arizona, even as she rankles Democrats in Washington. Again, I don't get into this celebratory crap. Uh, you know, I don't golden calf politicians. I never vote Democrat. And candidly, you shouldn't either. But if we're going to have a Democrat, at least they appear sane. But I want you to notice this. Hat tip, my friend Eddie Zipperer on social media. Look at how they treat crazy rhino Republicans. And then when Democrats buck their party, in contrast to Republicans, listen, watch these two headlines. Remember Jeff Flake, the worst Republican? Jeff Flake, who is the uh, Ar Arlen Specter of Mitt Romney's. Remember when Jeff Flake started acting like a Democrat all the time? Here's the New York Times headline. Eddie Zipperer pointed this out. How Jeff Flake may have saved the Republicans from themselves. Now look at the other headline, Kirsten Cinema. You got Kirsten Cinema, who's now trying to save the Democrats from themselves by not spending us into bankruptcy. Kirsten Cinema is at the center of it all. Some Arizonans wish she weren't. Two, yeah, two. He's right. Two, exactly two Arizonans. You see? You see the difference? All right, moving on. So uh, remember the ad, the Ron DeSantis ad we played yesterday? It was designed to be a hit piece by that uh, that crazy guy who hates Ron DeSantis. So he put together a Ron DeSantis hit piece ad that was supposed to be a hit piece. It's actually one of the greatest ads ever for Ron DeSantis. But he put it with some dour music. So it's not Ron DeSantis loves freedom. Oh, my gosh. So we were Jim and Guy were, were kind enough to put this together. Uh, they put this is the exact same ad. The only difference is they change, listen to this, they change the music in the background and this will kind of make my point and drive it home. How this attack ad, when you strip out the music and the negative overtones is actually the greatest ad for Ron DeSantis ever. I'm not kidding. This is the same spot, just a bit of different music in the background. Check this out. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of your cabin crew, we'd like to inform you that we have officially entered Florida airspace. Please watch this short message from Governor Ron DeSantis on COVID-19. We are not supporting doing any vaccine passports in the state of Florida. We trust people to make their own decisions in this state. We are not going to be bludgeoning people with restrictions and mandates, and lockdowns or any of that stuff. As Governor DeSantis states, you do not have to wear a mask. You do not have to get a vaccine. It is against the law for private businesses or schools to mandate masks or vaccines. 
you guys are great. That is so well done. It's the same spot. You see how when you change the music in the background, you're like, my gosh, that's the greatest ad ever for Florida. Making my point again that the dunce who put this together has no idea that he's probably raising money right now for the Ron DeSantis re-election campaign in Florida. All right. Um, I want to get to my last spot. I got questions. And Gee, would you agree? One of the funniest stories you've ever seen, the Blaze story? You were, okay, I don't want to, because one of the producers upstairs at Fox thinks I oversell stuff a little bit sometimes. This story is hilarious. Please. It's a Friday. Don't go anywhere. And your question's coming up. Okay. Uh, you know what, Guy? In the interest of time, just go right to the blaze, because I want to get to the questions. This story is, uh, I saw this this morning. Rarely. Is chuckle still a word? Are we allowed to use that? Or does that age us? A chuckle? A deep chuckle? I la- Candidly, I laugh my ass off. Let me just be honest with you. So the story came up this morning at The Blaze. I thought it was a joke, but it turns out it's real. So apparently this uh, guy in, was it Turkey or something? He gets drunk and uh, gets lost. So they call out uh, a missing persons thing. The police start looking for him. So they start looking around the woods he gets lost in, and they run across this guy. And the guy starts helping them find the drunk guy. Uh, As you can see from the headline, drunk man spends hours with search party looking for missing person. He was the missing person. (laughs) This is the greatest story ever. Guys, hey, it reminds me of, remember Tom, remember uh, uh, Tom Hanks in Castaway when he first lands on the island? Anybody? Anybody? And he finds Wilson. Can you imagine this guy? He's looking for himself. He's sitting there in the forest. What's, I don't know. What's his name? I forget. They put his name in the story. Read the story. It's in the newsletter. His name is Joey Begadon. Joey, anybody? And you know how they finally found out the missing guy they were looking for was the guy in the search party? They started calling out the name after a little while. And he's like, the name? He's like, wait, that's me. He's searching for himself. Anybody? And it's. <laughs> Some may say he found himself in the woods. Some may, yeah, subhead. Some may say he found himself. <laughs> Read this story. It's good. It's on a Friday. All right, let me get to your questions. A lot of good stuff. Today. Hold on. This over here. Get a little sip here. Somebody asked yesterday what I'm always drinking. It's green tea. It's good for your health. I love it. So, question number one. We have. Oh, yeah, we do. Sorry, it's on the sheet. I just put the sheet away. He says, not asking for any details, but you served on Obama's security detail. My question is, this is a good one. Are there things you, all caps, cannot share that you know? Be blessed and stay strong. That's Crush777. Uh, yeah. Now, let me just be candid here. If I had any evidence, because I, I don't want any like crazy conspiracy theory to start or something. I've said this before. If I had any evidence whatsoever of any criminality in that administration, I was, you know, you're not obligated as a Secret Service agent to hide criminal information. I would share it with the show. But the question is, do I know things I cannot share? And the answer is, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, why don't you share them? Well, because, again, they're not illegal and they're, you know, they're, the president has to feel around his agents, even if they disagree, that he can say and do things. And I don't want to destroy the constitutional republic by wrecking norms um, that liberals do. I mean, that question, that listen, that answer may not satisfy you, and that's fine. Feel free to disagree. But I'm telling you, it's not illegal, and it's nothing that would like transform or overthrow the country. But yeah, you see a lot of things. And it is really disturbing. All right, let's go to question number two. That was a good one. The questions this week are great. This is from Gulf Life Dave. 
hey, it would be really great if maybe a day a week you do a half a show on the economy or the new economy where we can access sources and assets we can invest in. Maybe a show on finance would be something you'd be interested. In. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. You know, um, I would consider that. On the, I do a, oh, a show, uh, maybe a, a half a block of a show on the new economy companies I see. And I want to thank you, by the way, given that I've been played a central role in building this new economy with my own money because I put my money where my mouth is. Our payment processing alternative to Stripe, which has a history of questionable decisions against conservatives, ours is AlignPay, A L I G N. P-A-Y, AlignPay.com. AlignPay.com is blown up. Thank you so much. If you are using Stripe, we are their competitor. We do not censor for political views. AlignPay.com. Sign up today. Get away from them before you're next. So thank you. And maybe we'll do a show on some of our ventures and others too. I'll celebrate other people's uh, roles in the parallel economy too. It's not just uh, it's not just me. But AlignPay.com, please check it out, especially if you're using Stripe. They're a mess. We had an explosion new applications last time I mentioned, I haven't mentioned it in about a month because I don't like bombarding you with stuff. Okay, question three. This is from Big Bono. How do we hold the media and the left accountable at this time of misinformation and not allow them to say, hey, too late, what are you going to do about it now several months later? Yeah, that is what they do. You're right, Big Bono. You are absolutely correct. They lie about a story and then months later when no one's paying attention, they correct it and then everybody, I, totally unintentional, Guy. The NRA TV story, the story it still hasn't been corrected. It's still, people still, but happened to me. I get it. People still believe, like I said, I was fired from NRA TV. They still, they put it out there now. I mean, I'm even used to it at this point. Even I believe, I've heard it so many times from the Daily East, even though it's fake. You're like, oh man, was I? Like, even though you lived through it, you, this is what happens. So how do you fix it? I think we need a better funded fact-checking mechanism ourselves. The fact-checking industry on the left has become a cancer. If we had a bunch of people, I'd be interested in this too, putting my own money in, to do a well-funded conservative fact-checking site that could fact-check liberals and use it within our own ecosystem, Parler, Getter, CloudHub, whatever it may be, we could do some real damage to the liars on the left. I think that's one of the ways, uh, but we don't, we just, you know, the money, I'm not sure it's there right now. Okay. This is a good one. You don't like these questions, man? These are great questions. No, no, I love them. Here, this is a great one. What's the best parenting advice you've ever received? Um, I saw somewhere once, and forgive me, I don't know where, but someone said when, you know, for the many of you obviously are parents like I am. I have two two daughters, a 17-year-old and a nine-year-old. And uh, it's tough to get through to them sometimes. Kids obviously don't see the world like adults. It's because they're kids. They don't have the chronological life experience to accumulate. We're tying the show together like create failure. Remember we talked about failure before? Failure is a can be a great thing. It's very instructive. It teaches you what to do and what not to do next. If you learn from it, kids fail. They fail a lot because they haven't learned from previous failures because they haven't been around long enough. So I saw somewhere, somebody said, whenever your kid does something wrong, ask them. If you were watching yourself in a movie doing what you just did, would you be proud of yourself? Best parenting advice I ever got. I swear it works. And not only does it work for kids, it works for me. Sometimes I say to my, listen, guys, ladies, I'm, I'm just a dude. I mean, I'm a sinner like everyone else. I have the regular, you know, temptations and sins every, everyone else does. There's, there's nothing special. I'm not an X-Man. I'm not some mutant. I'm not Cyclops, uh, Captain America. I didn't get the super serum. 
They're hard to deal with. But one of the ways I overcome a lot of that and don't succumb to it, you know, many, all of them, I mean, there's vices everywhere, is I say to myself, you know, if my kids were watching that movie, would they be proud of their dad? And if the answer is no, they'd be disgusted, you probably shouldn't do it. So that advice goes both ways. Great question. That's Politikelly. Here's a question from Carr451. While in the Secret Service or in law enforcement, do you ever have a life or death situation? Almost got shot or have to shoot someone? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, a couple. Um, as a cop, my, I think it was Halloween, 1999 maybe? I'm not sure. I was walking a foot patrol with this female officer. She was a friend of mine. We went through the academy together, Laura. She's very nice. And it was about midnight or so, a little after midnight. We were in the 7-5 precinct in East New York, Brooklyn. We were running parallel to Pennsylvania Avenue on a foot post. And I heard a whoosh. You know what that sound is? Whoosh. Well, when you hear it once, you know what it, it was a bullet that had gone not too far. For, I knew exactly what it was. And you heard the gunshot. And I was like, what the hell? So I look straight ahead and I see this kid in a red puffy jacket. It was the winter. He sees me. I see him. He was the shooter. And we get in a foot pursuit. We get in a foot pursuit. I'm chasing this guy and I beat Laura. Laura wasn't as fast as I was. And I'm running. I'm running with the nightstick and everything. This kid was fast too, man. So we cross Pennsylvania Avenue. We get to the other side. And thank God my training kicked in, right? So he turns the corner right before me. He's about 15 feet in front of me. I'm yelling for him to stop. He turns the corner. Now, one of the things in policing, especially in a foot pursuit, you never want to do is cut a corner tight. Do you know why? Gee, you know why? Because if you cut a corner tight and the guy's sitting there in the corner, the minute you cut the corner, he's going to blast you. Now, I know the guy's got a gun. So my training kicked in and they teach you to pie off a corner. In other words, button hook around. You get what I'm saying? So if you don't cut it tight, you kind of cut out wide so you can see, you can see what's around the corner slowly and you don't just appear and he shoots you. So my training kicked in and I looked and the guy had disappeared. I couldn't believe it. He was only 15 feet in front of me. Turns out I run up the block. He had jumped underneath a car, a white van on the corner and took the jacket off underneath the car. He, I ran right past him. He got up and just calmly walked away. We caught him later. The task force guys caught him. So, uh, yeah, that. And then in the Secret Service once, just quickly, I was in Kingston, Jamaica with Jenna Bush. And we went down an alley. Kingston, Jamaica was like one of the murder capitals of the world. We went down this alley to interview this woman for her book. And we thought it was an alley. Well, it wasn't an alley. Turned out there was like these corrugated tin houses, like little huts. And the side of them were like, they could move them. And a bunch of people came out. A couple of them had machetes. Diane Sawyer in 2020 filmed it. You can probably find the footage. If someone finds it, send it to me. And you see in night vision, me and a couple of our guys with MP5s, like, holy hit with an S. Like, we're going to have to blast someone. So sure enough, the boss made the decision. We had an armored car. We rolled the car down the street. We threw Jen in the car. We just beat feet out of there. But we were like a minute away from probably getting our heads hacked off. That was a mess. They didn't know who we were. It was no good. You think so? Do you like those? All right. I don't, I yeah, try not to create too much fake drama on the show, you know, but uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Key. It's very nice. Here. All right. Next question. We'll wrap it up soon. Hey, Dan, with all the talk about the digital dollar, what a disaster it would be. Why don't Republicans get on board with cryptocurrency and the fact that it is decentralized finance? Hey, 
I am seriously considering doing a segment about this on my Fox show to, uh, tonight, uh, excuse me, tomorrow night, Saturday night, unfiltered, 10 p.m. Good question. Crypto is great. I think it would hedge inflation. I'm thinking about doing a segment um, on that. So we'll see. Watch Unfiltered tomorrow. You'll see if it's there. 10 o'clock. I got some great guests. I got Will Kane, Larry Kudlow, and an explosive monologue in the beginning. I've been putting together all week. Unfiltered, 10 o'clock. Don't miss it. Saturday night, set your DVR. Two more. Hey, Dan, how do you manage your passion and anger? This is from Lisa Unhinged. I've been cursing a lot with the COVID mandates. Any advice on how you keep your keep control would be great. I don't. You ever see the Avengers, the original Avengers, when they ask uh, a banner, they say, hey, how do you stop uh, from getting angry and turning it to the Hulk over and over? And that goofy liberal Mark Ruffalo, it would have been a cool movie if he wasn't such a nut, turns around and says, I don't control it. I'm angry all the time. That's me. No, I'm serious. You want to know? I'm not joking. Like I am. I'm, I don't control my anger. Yeah. You just, yeah. I mean, listen, sometimes it's just the fatigue, but it's not control. I'm very, actually, I'm terrible at controlling my anger to be candid with you, if you want to know. And last question, what other podcast do you listen to? If you listen to any, um, I do. I really enjoy econ talk by Russ Roberts. Really. Enjoy. It's listen, it's very, very, I don't want to say slow. It's not slow. It's a great podcast. Russ Roberts is incredibly smart. It's the exact opposite of my show. Okay. He, it, we talk about some of the same concepts, but Russ is a very level-headed kind of sober economic analyst, but they go into really good issues. Uh, it's a fantastic podcast. I love economics. It's, you'd never guess looking at this square cinder block head of mine. I love the halo effect, you know, but economics is my real passion. Econ Talk, great podcast. Hey, thanks again for tuning in. Sorry about all the asks on the show today, you know, Align Pay and checking out my Fox show, but you're a loyal audience. Try not to beat you up with too many requests. I appreciate your loyalty. You've helped our product spread and the message spread. Unfiltered tomorrow night, Fox, 10 o'clock. Saturday, check it out. And uh, line pay. If you want to use it, we'd really appreciate it. Get away from Stripe before they get away from you. I will see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.